I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Wrestling with history worldwide in the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. The voice of choice, Bruce Ford, Killer Ken Resnick, and wonderful Willie, the legend maker, Bill Apter. And guys, before we talk about anything about this week's show, I want to tell you, I was uh, aghast. About three minutes before we went on the air, we taped this Tuesday nights uh, around 8.30 Eastern time. Bill, I got a photograph on my phone in my text messages yes. of Ken's balls. Yes. Oh, did you really? Yeah, heard we me right. About Ken's balls last week. I'm going to put them for anybody that's watching the video up there on YouTube or the premium channel. And thanks to our new subscribers on the premium channel, by the way. I have a picture of Ken's balls. Baseballs. Right oh, well, yeah. I forgot to mention wait. that. It doesn't matter where they're based. They're Ken's balls. They're based in Minneapolis, right? Right. In and around that area. Yeah. So Bill is, if, you, if you've never seen the video, right, either any of the videos we do on YouTube or Twitter, Ken in the background of his home has a collection of baseballs. And last week, I, I don't know if it was on or off the air, Bill was mentioning about Ken's balls, and then Ken wanted it, it, to... It was on the air. He said, that's was. what people keep asking him. Who are those baseballs? Who are the balls? Who are on Ken's balls? So, Ken, tell us real quick. You got a bunch of... Uh, are you a collector, or do you have um, famous friends in the, in the I, I baseball? Mean, they, they, they are all from people that were either and are friends or I met and had the chance to interact with. 
and Bill was questioning. So the baseballs behind me are signed by Ted Williams, Kirby Puckett. I've got a ball signed to me from Cal Ripken, which Ooh. is one of the memorial balls that they had printed from when he broke Lou Gehrig's Ironman streak. It's one of the commemorative balls from that game. Yogi Berra, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, hmm. Harmon Killebrew, who I have known since I was 11 years old until he passed. Stan Musial, Frank Robinson, Rod Carew, Bob Feller, Mickey Mantle, Nolan Ryan, Pete Rose, Ken Herbeck, Mark McGuire, Don Mattingly, the 69 Minnesota Twins, which was one, the 100th year of Major League Baseball, and then a ball from the 87 World Series champion Minnesota Twins. And the three footballs you see are from Dan Marino, Herschel Walker, and Johnny Unitas. Where are the footballs? They're in the cave. Oh, I, oh okay. So he's Bruce, now got balls on his feet. I am going to post it. It's going oh, to be okay. packaged with he's this. Now, this he's now got balls on his feet. Yeah, well, and Ken obviously has Hall of Fame balls. That, yeah. that's, that's pretty much what we learned. Well known for that. Well known balls, Ken. Very, very good. You know what Gordon Soley would have said about that? Who? Gordon Soley. You know what he would have no, said? No, I know that? Gordon Soley probably would have. He was probably like you. Who are those guys? Who no, are no, those no, no. Balls from? That, no, Gordon would say, indeed. That's it. <laughs> I'm having some lighting issues today. I was going to say, Ken, maybe with all of these people that you know, uh, Bruce Pritchard could use your help. Never mind. We'll talk about that some other time. Hey, this is Wrestling With History. Bill after Ken Resnick. We go back in time and we share stories of, not, not me personally, but what Ken and Bill uh, have done in their career and, and people that they've spent some time with. And we try to take you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history this week. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited because we were kind of working through what we were going to do following last week's uh, Women in Wrestling Evolution episode. And we had a couple of topics that we bounced around. We almost went to two bruisers, but we settled on Bruiser Brody because there's a lot to unpack. And I want to start this out, Bill, by talking about don't, that. Don't we have any feedback or questions from last week that we yes. all start with? Yes, Ken. Oh, Ken, okay. trust. I'm just looking me. out for our listeners and viewers. Trust me. Before we get deep into Bruiser Brody, and I will get to the questions and the feedback from last week, I want to ask you about the name Bruiser because it, it's, it's obviously been associated with a few wrestlers along the timeline there. And there's another very famous Bruiser in the Midwest Dick the Bruiser. Was there any inspiration for Bruiser Brody from Dick the Bruiser? And, and that question, I'm going to ask Bill, but maybe Ken knows. There was not. There was not. Um, the uh, Bruiser Brody um, started off uh, uh, in some of the Indies and down, then down in Texas. It's a, he was wrestling as uh, uh, Frank Goodish. Frank Goodish. For, and Vince McMahon Sr., Vince McMahon Sr. said, you know, you can't, can't get, you know, they were going to call him uh, uh, Goodish. And he, he said, you can't, you know, he's a bad guy. You know, we're not going to, he changed his name. 
Vince, from what I understand, is that Vince McMahon Sr. changed the name to Bruiser Brody. Not Baddish? Know, Frank Baddish? No. <laughs> that would Heelish, have been Heelish Frank? These days, they would have done that. But, uh, yeah, there was from... I, I knew Bruiser Brody and his family really well. I'm still in touch with his, uh, with his lovely wife, Barbara. And um, uh, he... Uh, no, there was no, uh, no tie-in with Dick the Bruiser there. But I would like to say something about yes. Dick the Bruiser. Okay. Because we talked about it, and I'm trying to tee you up here, Bill. I, no, no, I, you, it was a little weird how I got us there, but I got us there. You did get us there. I got us so, there. So in my book, Is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken. Thank you. Plug of the week. Uh, oh, wait, I, let me interject. I, I've watched Raw, uh, tried to watch Raw a, a few times. I think it need, you need to do a new one saying, is wrestling fixed? Not yet. <laughs> Tune in next week. So when I was, it's in my book. Um, I, there is one fan out there who no matter what I write, anything positive on wrestling, he will Facebook me back. It's broken, Bill. It's broken, Bill. It's not uh, but Pat anyway, McAfee, is it? <laughs> no. Um, so uh, when I when I was a kid, I used to watch my older brother watching wrestling. And one I remember one night he wasn't home, and we got a show uh, on Channel Nine in New York that I had never seen before called Bedlam from Boston. And I turned it on, and there was this tall British gentleman a broadcaster, Lord Athel Layton, and he was talking about how Richard the Bruiser was so. And Bruiser came out. I had never seen him before. I said, "What did you call me?" And he said, Richard the Bruiser, and Bruiser, and Leighton was a wrestler as well. Bruiser tore off the, the suit jacket and beat the crap out of, and I, wow, this is great. That's the first thing that got me hooked on watching wrestling every wow. week. Yeah, okay. and I, I've really, I've really talked about that that was, that was it. But it was Dick the Bruiser attacking Lord Athel Leighton that I thought was so cool and what was going to happen the next time yeah so the, there you go if you ever wondered how bill after got involved or interested as interested. a fan of pro wrestling was watching dick the bruiser beat up some yeah. poor sap announcer who was and actually they, no no he was was not a poor sap at all if you look him up online lord athel layton he was very he was a very large man in terms of mus muscular he wasn't heavy at all. He was very well put together. And he was probably about six foot six, six foot seven. Um, and really just very, uh, very royal type of person. But before I had seen that, my brother used to line me up on the bed and he'd stand up on the bed with me to go move a little to the right. No, 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 move a little to the right. And then he'd yell out, drop kick. And he'd drop kick me off the bed. That was actually the first. It'd be my kids. Yeah. Ken, I thought Lord Ethel, whatever was the guy that said, promotional consideration paid for by yeah, the phone. I, I, when, when Bill threw out that name, I was thinking, did he eventually become Lord Alfred? But then when he talked about the height, I knew it had to be two different. Two different people. Again, take a look on uh, online, Bruce, while we're doing this, and you'll see Lord Ethel Layton. He was quite the... Uh, and I met him many times when I was covering wrestling in, uh, in Toronto. Frank Tunney used to book him there very, very often. Jack's brother? Jack's brother? I think it was, it might have been Jack's dad, Frank Tunney. I was mo mostly a joke, but um, no, no. former WWF president, Jack, right, the esteemed but, Jack Tunney. 
But Frank Tunney, as Ken will remember probably, Frank Tunney was one of the great classic um, promoters. And he promoted that whole Toronto area with, uh, with the original Chic and uh, brought Jim Crockett promotions up there and eventually uh, made a deal with uh, Vince Sr. to bring uh, talent up there as well. Ken, did you ever call Vern up? Because imagine this. So Vince buys out the uh, Toronto territory. Jack gets a gig. The, the answer to whatever, if the question begins, did you ever call Vern up? The answer is no. <laughs> but listen, what does Vern have to do with stuff? I'm, I'm going getting there, Bill. So <laughs> Vince buys Toronto and says, hey, Jack, we're going to use you. I'm going to buy your territory and you're going to give me a discount and you're going to be the president of the WWF for how many years they did it. <laughs> did you ever call Vern up every time Tony appears on TV and you say, Vern, that could have been you? <laughs> like I say, when the question starts with, did you ever call Vern up? The answer is says no. No, no matter what the follow-up is. I'm a little punchy today. All right, here oh, we by go. By the way, Vern, and as, as much as he knew... Wait a minute. Oh, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait. Vern oh, whoa, is, whoa. Is, Oh, no, the, this is the fastest the show has ever gone off the rails. I just wasn't prepared. Oh, well, now that we're talking about Vern, but with uh, um, with Vern, even though he knew that I knew how the business worked, he always kayfabe me. Always amazing. That's the yeah. end of that story. <laughs> but Bruiser Brody did work in the AWA, so there we're back on the rails. There you go. Bill steered us back. All right. If you want to send in a question or comment, feedback, or just something random that you want to ask, and we'll get into that too, because there's some random things that came in, I might read it. And I'm going to read three or four every week at the beginning of the show. You tweet us at VOC Nation. The DMs are open. So some of you choose to do that. If you don't want it public, send your question there. Send an email to Bruce at VOCNation.com. I won't read your email address, but I'll read whatever name you put there. And I'm pretty good at that. Or you leave a comment on the website, VOCNation.com. And here we go, guys. So we also have our Twitter. I said it, at VOC Nation. Oh, I thought there was like a Resnick after. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, that is. So we do have a show Twitter the that is mostly is used here. for promotion, but yeah. you can get us there too at Resnick after BOC. You know, that Twitter, uh, by the way, has, uh, I think, 3,500 followers. So if I could get every one of you followers to actually register a download each week and we combine it with the 30,000 VOC Nation followers, we could make Bill and Ken a lot of money. But I need all of you to participate. And if you subscribe to Premium, they can make a, sh a lot of money. But you guys got to chip in. You got to do it. You got to do it. Ken and uh, I are millionaires. That everybody in the uh, wrestling world knows that. Oh well, yeah. yeah, that's what they're saying. You don't need you don't need the well, money. The best. I'm way just trying to, to keep up, this ship afloat. The the best way to sum up that diatribe is: if wishes were horses, beggars would be riding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of getting off the rails and last week, John D, uh, this came in on email. Wait a minute. Which, I thought we were going to Bruiser Brody at this point. I'm reading the questions, Bill, in the comments. Oh, go right ahead. Just a few, just a few. And then we'll get to a commercial and then we'll get to Bruce and Brody. Okay. John D, the show last week was not as serious and you seemed like you had more fun. Period, end of sentence, end of statement. We did. What did we talk about? Moolah, uh, women. Oh, right. 
women's did. evolution. We My did. big falls. Yeah, and <laughs> Ken falls. And I did. I did this uh, past uh, Sunday at Bud Carson's convention up in Allentown. I did uh, interview Desiree Peterson, one of the uh, ladies who worked for Moolah, and I'll be running that on the OneWrestlingVideo.com uh, channel probably later this week. Also, some of you may have seen on Twitter, uh, real quick, not to do with women, Twitter or Facebook, um, Bill presented or helped to present Manny Fernandez with his Bull of the Woods Lifetime Achievement Award. And he gave Manny's show right here, No BS with the Bull on VOC Nation, a nice plug. And Ricky Morton also participated in that. And Ricky uh, was kind enough to give us uh, Manny and VOC Nation shout out on Twitter. So thank you, Ricky Morton, as well. And congratulations to my friend, Manny Fernandez. I don't care what any of you say about him. He is a good guy. And I have known nothing from him but the truth. Yeah. And I want to thank Smash Mouth wrestling yeah for allowing me to be part of that awesome ken yes okay just making sure yep. I, you looked frozen for a second so I just we're all here sure. okay all right sorry we're back on track I, I, here i was a little taken aback your comment despite what many of you have said about manny and it was like i was thinking of interjecting you are talking about comments you received because never have bill or i said a negative i mean it, it could have yes. been perceived that you were talking about bill and myself saying something negative about manny which is oh, never no, happened. no 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 you know seriously i get tired of of all of the hate mail that comes in i don't know why so many people care about manny's military career i've seen his documents I know the truth, and that's all that matters to me. If you want to hate on Manny and continue to send emails that I'm not going to read, go ahead and do it. Fair okay. enough. The all next right. question. Sam in Arkansas, back again. I think hey, three Sam. weeks in a row. Ask Bill. <laughs> Ask Bill. So <laughs> I'm asking Bill. Ask Glad you're Bill having why, such a good time by yourself there. Ask Bill why Ronnie Garvin was given the NWA title when there was... This is one of the random things. This has nothing well, to do ahead, with anything we've ever what's, talked what's about. The question? Ask Bill why Ronnie Garvin was given the NWA title when there were so many others that were more deserving. Was it because he had a plane and the bookers wanted seats? No, no. It was Ronnie Garvin uh, had the look and the attitude of what the promotion wanted an NWA champion to look like. They knew it wasn't going to be a long uh, tenure for that champion. So he was an excellent transitional champion. He was just a, a tough guy. And he, you know, you believed whatever he did. Then he had hands of stone. Hands of stone. Thank you. Did, did the fans... And I wasn't a big wrestling fan. This was maybe 86, 87, I think. Did, did the fans buy into that title change? Were they behind Ronnie Garvin? Somewhat. Not, not, uh, uh, not, not a thousand percent. Uh, Ronnie had legions of fans, but they questioned, like, you know, I wonder why he won. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Ken, did you work with Ronnie Garvin at all? No, no. no. He was in, in Titan, I guess, after you... Yeah. After you left. Yeah, but he, his history goes back to Florida and the Carolinas. I mean, that, that's where he made his reputation, mainly in the Carolinas and Florida. And I, I traveled with him a lot. He's a great guy. Uh, and if, he was, if you really got into a shoot fight with him, he could have killed you. He was, he was legitimately a tough guy. And he probably still is. 
Here's another one, another uh, person that came back for second or third. So I've, I've seen him, his name before, Ron. I think I, I, would, I say him, I'm assuming. Ron in Tulsa. Does Ken think Vince would have passed on the job offer if he didn't shave on the spot? Meaning you shaved your mustache famously on the spot when Vince gave you a razor. Would Vince have not hired you if you didn't do that? You know, that, uh, that's funny. As much as I've talked about that story, I've never been asked that. Ken and Ron in Tulsa. Um, the honest answer is I don't know. Uh, as, you know, I've talked about, I think that was Vince's way of, you know, letting myself and probably every new hire know that, you know, Vince is boss and what Vince wants you need to do. Um, I'm, I'm guessing, um, you know, he had asked me about it, you know, early on in the interview. Um, if I had said uh, it was very sentimental or I was very attached to it, um, he may not have even pulled out the razor, but I think, uh, and it was true. I mean, it wasn't that big a deal to me, but, you know, I, I gave him the opening and when the time was right, he start, certainly stepped through the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he probably would have found a way to let you go. Well, I hadn't been hired, so <laughs> no to 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 let you go once you'd been hired. Oh yeah, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go, Ron. Keep keep them coming. Uh, two, Nobody had ever asked me that. Yeah, great question. Yeah, we had two pretty good questions. I think I mean, Ken should grow a beard, and every week, let's see the progression of it, or a mustache. It'll probably be better than mine. Uh, yeah, it would be, and it would probably be way too gray. So, <laughs> just for men, beard it works right wonders. Plug. All right, two two that are related to the women topic from last week, and I, I like this one by Sunshine XO, and it's uh, somebody who I was very close to at one point in time. Uh, we did a lot of traveling together, not not necessarily together, but a lot of the same places, and we did a lot of work together. Why didn't Amber O'Neill get a shot in a major promotion? She didn't. She do a lot for women in the Indies. Uh, Bill, I guess I'll ask you because I know you spent uh, a good amount of time with Amber at conventions. That's how I met her through you. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, Amber. The deal there is you've got to be at the right place at the right time. It's very competitive in terms of how many women are out there, and uh, it's just what the major company felt like you know, we're going to take her or not. And well, maybe not right now. So I think she, she did work for TNA, maybe some, some job matches, but she, she I mean, she was very influential. I know a lot of the, the ladies, uh, Sassy Steffi, who does some work on uh, the network here, hosts the Talking Sass. She uh, was part of Amber's, um, I guess, traveling um, group and amber did a lot with high spots and i i know she's done a lot for women behind the scenes and and very uh very much i think influenced the seriousness that women's wrestling gets yeah, today she, but i'm she just was, giving like a general answer yeah. because there's no real concrete thing that i've heard with uh, we don't like hers and nothing like that ken do you have you ever met amber o'neill yeah See, very, very senior would have hired her immediately because she was irish she loved hiring people 
that that were Irish. He really did. I mean, I'm, I'm being honest that way. At least um, her gimmick name was Irish, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Wrapping it up with Chris, uh, was Mae Young part of Moolah's traveling group of women? That's a good question because the, obviously they did a lot of work on TV together later on in life, but I, I don't know. Was Mae Young part of that group? She was she older than Moolah, She right? wasn't a regular. Moolah needed her. You know, she would bring her in. But I remember back in the day when we were doing the uh, magazines and Moolah would call me every Monday. Hi, darling. Here's the rankings. I don't ever remember Mae Young being in there. Was she, the guys, was she, Mae Young, was she prominent back? Like, I don't remember ever seeing her before the late 90s when she was in her late 90s. Oh, I she, mean, was was, a, she was in the Indies. She was in the, in the independence, just, you know, an opening match or second yeah. or third match as a lady wrestler. But she wasn't on, on the scale of Moolah, like back in the 60s or 70s, right? No, because Moolah owned Moolah Enterprises. So nobody was on that scale, so to say. Got it. I, I mean, Mae Young, even back then, was a known, prominent name. But, you know, indies would bring her in. Women's wrestling fans would know the name, but, you know, nowhere near the degree of, of Moolah. When she took that uh, power bomb off the ropes with, by the, with the Dudleys there, oh, I think yeah. through a table, I couldn't, um, I couldn't believe they did that. Like it's like 80. amazing. In her 80s, right? I mean, that was that was she might have been in her 90s at that point. I don't would know. never happen in no. today's corporate climate of no. WWE. No, it never happened. They wouldn't even ask Ken to shave his mustache. Although, although I was surprised when I was watching Monday Night Raw that they had a strap match uh, yeah. last night. Since we're taking this on Tuesday night, I was really surprised at that. So, okay. Uh, anyway, what, what what surprised me and brought the comment is wrestling fix not yet. Um, I, you know, the, there was game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, you know, NBA conference finals game. Uh, but between I, I thought, well, there was commercials on both. So I switched over to Monday Night Raw and literally for the minute and a half I watched it, the 24-7 title was brought back and changed hands like five times. Yes, and I like, saw that. And, and it was like, nah, I, I, you know, okay. Stanley Cup actions back on goodbye, but it was I you know I, I mean being old school you know back you know Bill knows each promotion you know in the heyday of the eighties you know had maybe two three you know major titles and it, it's just like being a champion and and you know wearing or carrying a championship belt was huge back in those days. And now mm. there, there's so many titles and seeing one, you know, basically being, you know, treated as a, as a joke is just, it's. Yeah. They've been doing that with that 24 seven title. That's part of their entertainment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, they, and they, you know, it's, it's a little bit creative. I, I hate it. You know, I don't, I, I would never, would never watch it, but it's a little bit creative because it's the modern day version of the hardcore title without the hardcore flair. And what they're able to do is have guys when they make an appearance at a basketball game or a football game or a concert, you know, somebody can pin them real quick and, and WWE can use that, that celebrity stardust oh, you know, sure. for their brand. Sure. But I think the cow championship office wrestling title that I am still the champion of, is more legitimate than that 
24-7. Well, I, I think especially when Bill over-generously donated Andy Kaufman's neck collar for nothing, to me, it's only a matter of time before Bill Actor becomes a 24-7 champion. Well, that, oh. that's, a, that's, that, that's 30 to 45 seconds. Yeah, yeah, but I've got the Cal Championship belt, Championship Office Wrestling, and uh, I don't know if I'm interested in 24 7. You have title. the Couch Championship. No, no, Cal. Belt. It's in my book. Everybody knows this. Cal Championship Office Wrestling. I'm yeah. still the champ. I've had 45 to 50 defenses. I have videos of this that I show in my, uh, in my one man shows. And listen, as we go into break, for anybody that has read the magazines that Bill was part of for, for so many years, the Cal Championship Wrestling was very different than those apartment wrestling pictures that you'd see in the magazine. Oh, yeah. I never took any of the apartment once. That was it. We, those were done out in California. We'll leave that alone. Hey, uh, rest a little breaking right. news. Uh, right. you know, the, by when this airs, the gathering will just be three weeks away. And it was just announced coming to the gathering. The good news is doing his first ever convention, Coco Beware. The bad oh. news is there will not be any video of me doing the bird with him again. Oh, Ken! His Ken, you have an opportunity! Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to talk this through during the break. Uh, let's go. Let's go take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Uh, I want to talk about Bruiser Brody. <laughs> we pretty much took up half the show with this other stuff. We'll talk about Bruiser Brody, Barbara Goodish, and a whole bunch of other stuff with Ken and Bill wrestling with history on VOC Nation. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. VOC Nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain. Follow the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Bill After, The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick, The Maestro, Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit VOCNation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Okay, back here on Wrestling With History. It might have been four minutes for you. It was about 40 seconds for us. And we're talking about Bruiser Brody today. And I, I want to start with this. Ken, I think that I remember this right. You were uh, the MC at the gathering 
two years ago. Uh, the We had the pandemic in between. You're going to be at the gathering coming up in a couple of weeks. Again, we'll talk more about that later. But didn't you have a chance? Didn't you do a sit down with Barbara Goodish or she was at the gathering? Uh, uh, we, when did it was... a, we did a Q&A together. I kind of emceed uh, and she did a, a uh, Q&A. Uh, she had never done one before. And someone I know, Bill knows, uh, Darla Stagg. Oh. Here in the Twin Cities, uh, Barbara was coming up to see Darla a few weeks before the gathering. So Darla arranged, uh, and Darla and Barbara and I went out to dinner, um, shared a lot of stories about Frank. Um, she told me a lot of stories about, you know, how she met him, um, their relationship. I shared a lot of stories with her and she was very comfortable. And um, so it was a little up in the air and she said she was perfectly comfortable and she did a, a Q&A at the gathering. Uh, Martin D'Amato uh, honored the, the legacy of Bruiser Brody uh, at the, you know, night to remember uh, great, you know, past and, and current stars of wrestling. She accepted that. Uh, we did the Q&A after and just uh, a, a lovely, lovely lady. Bill, did you get a chance to meet Barbara Goodish over the oh, years? I've, Obviously, I've the, the late or the wife of the late Bruiser Brody. I've met, I was to their home when, when Bruiser was uh, 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 alive. And uh, uh, I played with their son, Jeffrey, who's probably in his thir early 30s now. Um, I went to the Texas State Fair with them. This is in the days that I was covering the Yvonne Eric territory. And then one of the best trips of my entire life was my first time in uh, Japan. And it was uh, with uh, Stan Hansen, the Mongolian Stomper, Bruiser Brody, um, and a lot of other guys. And I spent a lot of time with Brody going out to dinners. And I remember one time we were on a, a boat, a tourist boat going from one island to the other. And some little lady, little uh, Japanese lady went over to him. She said, oh, Brody. She knew who he was, okay? And he says, hey, Aptor-san, gonna sing for you. So I didn't know what that, cause he knew I went out and did karaoke the night before. So of course I started singing and I got about 20 of these older ladies and Brody. And there's a picture on the PWI files of me with him on the boat singing with all these uh, ladies. They had no idea what I was talking about or anything, but uh, he was a very fun, loving guy. Um, I covered most of his career, including when he came up to uh, uh, New York to wrestle at Madison Square Garden. Um, and he always kept in touch with me. You know, this was pre-internet. Uh, he'd call me once a month when he was working down in Texas to let me know how he was doing. He'd always put Barbara and Jeffrey on the phone so yeah, it was a, uh, it was great. And I'll tell you something, the, when you talk about somebody developing a character to be so believable is he was the, that maniac in the ring, he was the exact opposite in real life. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, and, and I talked to Barbara about this, that I continue to marvel at, um, as long as, you know, Frank has been gone. Young wrestling fans of today 
are very much aware of the legacy and, and know about the style of Bruiser Brody. I think, you know, more so than anyone else that has been gone that long. It's, I agree. It, for whatever reason, as Bill said, that, that kind of insanity in the ring character has endured decades after he's been gone. Uh, and whenever his name comes up anywhere, fans, I mean, that night doing the, the Q&A, uh, it went on for well over an hour. They just, they couldn't get enough. Uh, and some of those people, you know, were barely al alive when Frank was killed, but they know all about him and, and their thirst for knowing about him uh, to this day is, is just amazing. One of the scariest things I ever remember about him was in Japan. And I didn't know that he, the first night that I went to the matches, he and Stan Hansen were a huge tag team. They, they were like gods over there. And what I didn't know is I'm at ringside with my camera. And all of a sudden I hear fans screaming. And generally it's very quiet at the Japanese arenas, screaming. Brody and Hansen come out with these huge chains that were like 10 miles long swinging them over their heads through the audience and the fans are scattering like there was Godzilla in the ring there. And I, uh, fans were running all over me. I got pushed under the ring. So I talked to Brody in the dressing room afterwards. He says, oh, we didn't tell you. I'm sorry. He says, tomorrow night when we do this on the tour, just go under the ring. That was it. And I did, I did, that, uh, I did that every time so I wouldn't get killed by the fans. He and uh, Stan Hansen in Japan couldn't walk down the street without hundreds of people following them. Well, the chains, though, I, I mean, they were real me. chains. I, yeah, forgive me because I, I have today's context in my mind. So, what happens if somebody doesn't move out of the way and they get busted they in get the hurt. head? That was it. This was back in the 70s, in the 80s, rather. Uh, that's it. The fans scattered. They, they, they never hit anybody because the fans were gone. The chairs, the little plastic chairs that the fans would sit at there, they were scattered all over the place. You couldn't find your seat once, once the match started. That's why if you look at all the old videotapes, half the fans or three quarters of them are standing up because they couldn't, couldn't get their chairs. Well, if you think about this, right? I mean, I think about, I'm just thinking in my brain with a couple things that a couple, at least moments or wrestlers that may have been inspired by Bruiser Brody or things that he did. I remember Hercules Hernandez coming down with the chain and swinging it around. So that comes to mind. But Ken, you worked a lot with John Nord in the AWA and John Nord's gimmick, at least post Brody's passing, when he came to WWF as the Berserker, it almost seemed like a parody of Brody. But was John Nord's gimmick inspired by Bruiser Brody? Oh, I think so. He, you know, John does the, the hus hus. Uh, John was there when, when Bruiser Brody came in, and it was interesting. Uh, I've told the story a couple times. Um, he, Frank Brody, was a very smart, intellectual guy. Um, early on, you know, in the AWA, you know, he didn't he didn't make friends or, or hang out with a lot of the boys. Um, and we were, you know, off camera and, you know, he was just sitting by himself. So I went over and sat down to just talk to him a little bit. Um, 
you know, to get a little bit better idea of how he liked to do interviews. You know, if he wanted to go back and forth, just me give it to him. Um, and we were talking and he happened to mention um, he went to college at Iowa State University in Ames, Iowa. And I went to Drake University, which is just about 25 minutes, you know, down the road. So from that point on, we would get breaks um, and I would sit down and we would sometimes have these in-depth conversations uh, that had nothing whatsoever to do with wrestling. I mean, he was very smart. He, we would talk about politics, what was going on in the world. He was, you know, very, uh, a very much intellectual, uh, deep thinker. And um, so we kind of had this bond and, and talked a lot. And I had showed Barbara, uh, she had never seen it. Um, I was doing an interview with Bruiser Brody in the ring. You know, he was at that point working for, you know, the Sheik. And for whatever reason, Sheik wasn't there. So it was just Brody and I, um, you know, and he's going, I work for the Sheik. Sheik pays me, you know, the, the typical interview. And all of a sudden in the middle, he just puts his arm around my shoulder and kind of pulls me in. And he just kept his arm around my shoulder for the interview. Um, so, I mean, when he liked you, he liked you and liked to visit with you off camera. Um, so he was great. I, I really, really enjoyed, you know, getting to, to know him, but Bill's hundred percent right. Um, he was a little bit like the road warriors. He was a little bit like Rowdy Roddy Piper in that, you know, the insanity he portrayed and the aggression, the fans bought it completely. And a lot of them came to see just what he might actually do. Do you know what he majored in in college? Insanity? Uh, no, yeah. Journalism. He wanted, oh, okay. to be, he wanted to be a writer and a reporter. And I, I told him I majored in political science. So we used to get the, the have these really like a lot of times at, at lunch hour, we'd sometimes sit down and talk about, you know, what was going on in the world for like 30, 45 minutes and never talk about the business. I think he, you know, when he was in character, he was in character. But other than that, he was just, you know, Frank Brody, as Bill said, a really smart, really nice guy. Yeah, he's a very good family man, too. The, the story, he was on tour um, in New Zealand, and she was just working at a hotel they, you know, the boys were staying at. He, you know, she checked him in, and there was like this, you know, from his standpoint, instant connection. He yeah. wanted to take her to dinner, and she was, no, 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 and finally, you know, agreed. And from that point on, they were inseparable. And he came back uh, right before he was leaving and gave her a ticket to, to come to Florida. Um, so it was like, um, from his standpoint uh, to Barbara, it was, you know, basically the love at first sight. Yeah, definitely. Now, now you, you guys have said a lot about him being a, a great guy, but also very, very much somebody who believed the gimmick, lived the gimmick. And part of the controversy behind his death was that there were 
a lot of wrestlers or at least a few wrestlers who really resented him for working very stiff and maybe stiffer than they wanted. One of them was infamously one of the, the, the person that um, was acquitted of his murder, um, Jose Gonzalez. And I, I got to ask you, was, was the chatter behind the scenes that we really liked Brody or was it, this guy's a jerk and I, I don't want to work with him because he takes, takes liberties with my well-being. I can't answer that because I was, I was backstage uh, lots of times with him in Texas and it was all one big family. That's the only way I can answer that. So I didn't know that part of him. Whatever happened in Puerto Rico, none of us can even speculate on what it, it's impossible. And I, I, won't, I won't even... Uh, go there. I remember getting the phone call from um, a, a photographer in Puerto Rico who told me about, it. I think his name was Eddie Grease. Um, and he called and told me that uh, uh, Bodie was murdered in the dressing room and uh, all this whole thing. And it was a total shock. Again, there was no internet or anything back there. And I remember talking, uh, calling Gordon Soley, asking him if he heard this and you know everybody was like the whole day people were calling me but I there were rumors around that you know when you wrestled Brody that uh just like any other star that was protecting themselves like a Hulk Hogan or someone like that is you really needed to do what Brody wanted to do but I don't know that as a fact at all well um Brody was uh, I mean, there were a lot of people that, you know, warned him not to go to Puerto Rico. Uh, Brody was a little bit like the road warriors, not necessarily intentional, but if you found out you were working with Brody or you were working with the road warriors, you knew you were going to be awfully sore that you were going to take a beating in the sure. ring. You know, sure. I, I mean, that's just uh, the way it was, but I think there was, you know, some other political things that I know that um, a lot of people had warned Frank not to make that Puerto Rico trip. And, and you know, anybody that wants to see it can see Tony Atlas and Abdul the Butcher and uh, Dutch Mantel all talk about their knowledge of the situation and, and from their perspective. They're the only people that know the truth uh, aren't going to tell it. And uh, one's not around. Tony, Tony really didn't want to talk about that for ages. But season one, episode three, Dark Side of the Ring. And, and Tony, Tony talks about, you know, convincing Frank to call 911. And uh, there's uh, there's a long delay before the ambulance gets there. And, and Tony had to carry him out because nobody could. The paramedics couldn't get him out. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I guess from my perspective, not necessarily that moment, because, you know, I, I, I wouldn't ask you to talk about that moment. But, Bill, I was more talking about just generally, did the talent think highly of Bruiser Brody? I never heard anything either way. Again, I was with him mainly in Texas. I used to be in that territory a lot, and I never saw any issues with him and anybody there at all. He was part of that big family there. Well, you know, in the AWA back in the 80s, I mean, the, the way the guys made their money was based on the house shows, you know, and, and one thing, you know, 
whether the guys liked him or not, they knew that if Bruiser Brody was on the card, the house was going to be up. Good point. From that standpoint, you know, they liked him a lot. Uh, I, I think pretty much everybody was glad he was on a card unless you had to work with him. <laughs> it was Abdullah the Butcher and him had world famous, bloody, gory bouts. Was Abdullah, were they, were they very tight? behind the scenes were they friendly or did did abdullah not like oh no no they were very friendly they made each other a lot of money i shot i remember uh not uh after the first time i shot their matches i wouldn't wear any light clothing anymore because i looked (laughs) like a mass murderer chains and (laughs) yeah really i mean uh uh, one time in the leisure suit the blue leisure suit that just soaked in blood and going home on the plane the next day Uh, oh my god what happened to him but uh, no, they were, they knew that they could make money with each other. And again, I'm going to bring up Japan. Abdullah was another person in Japan who was heralded as, as like a god there. And uh, he and Brody just wherever they went, made money with each other. And they, they knew it. They didn't have any issues with each other. But Bruce, did, did we kind of bury the lead there that, that, Bill, you could read into that he went on the road and didn't bring a change of clothes with him. I mean, he got bloodied the night before and had to wear the same thing the next day on the plane. Well, it would, I went right to the airport, seriously, like 3 a.m. Whoever drove me at uh, in Puerto Rico, they dropped me off at the airport at 3 a.m., same clothes. Yeah. But it was every everybody uh, uh, was looking at me like, you know, what, what's going on with this, this ombre there? You know, it it was one of those things that, you know, especially back then, um, even if if guys didn't like working with him, you know, he drew money. He was a star. His character was so believable that they always wanted to pick his brain from that standpoint. So, uh, you know, the likability, I can't really speak to but the respect factor absolutely yeah yeah and abdullah was crazy too he was as crazy as brody when he got into character when he got into character which was almost all the time he was as crazy as brody first time i did an interview with abdullah was in winnipeg they had brought him in um yeah i talked to him a little and we're taping this interview and You know, I'm asking him something and all of a sudden, literally right in the middle of the interview, he just grabs my necktie and starts eating it. He did that to me, too. Literally was chewing. Yeah, he he did that to me, too, on a couple of uh, interviews on uh, on TBS. But he and Brody were were a hell of a uh, uh, a team in terms of being opponents. That's what that tough fabric was in my meal at that uh, Abdul the Butcher's restaurant down in atlanta it was part of my fire her bills but it was like when you you would talk and work with frank i mean his believability was off the charts but working with abdullah the believability was there but in the back of your mind you were always thinking I think he might have one or two loose wires. Oh, yeah. he. I mean, he used to attack all the photographers. He did it to me a few times. Uh, and Jimmy Suzuki, the Japanese photographer, 
Bruce, uh, not Bruce, uh, Abdullah bloodied him several times. Yeah. He oh, used boy. to go. He used to go over to Abdullah and beg to be bloodied. That was incredible. That's that's insane. Um, listen, kind of bringing this home a little bit. So Bruiser passed away tragically. Bruiser Brody passed away tragically at the age of 42 in Puerto Rico. And I got to ask this. Obviously, most of the big talent in that era had one final run in New York, one final run with WWF, the Road Warriors. I mean, they all got that that spot up there. Two-part question. Was Brody, and then Brody worked in New York in the 70s for sure and, and did a lot of work. He worked with Stud, he worked with Bruno. Would Brody have come back, or do you think that was in the cards? Would Vince have brought him in for a, a big match with Hogan? And part two is, would they have over-cartoonized him? And, no, and no I, think, I think he as an opponent with Hogan would have been awesome. Absolutely awesome. The two of them, I think, would have been brilliant together. And no, would they have cartooned him? Absolutely not. They would have made him uh, like a, a big evil. I mean, if you really look at what they did with, let's say, uh, Vader, they didn't cartoonize him at all. I mean, they made him a scary bad guy. And they would have done that with, uh, with Brody, too. You, you couldn't. The, the draw of Brody was that you feared him, that everybody feared him. Yeah, I, I, I think um, they would have absolutely uh, tried to, to bring him back. And the, the difference there, as Bill just said, they made Vader into this big, scary guy. Bruiser Brody was already that big, scary guy. So I don't think they, they would have tried to do, you know. No, anything. No. no, not at all. And I think, you know, Hogan's leg drop versus Bruiser's uh, that like to the face. Um, I think that would have been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that could have been a WrestleMania main event. We'll, we'll never oh, know. Yeah. Yeah. But that could have happened. We could have seen that in an, in I think an, that, you know what? I think, universe. I think as much as Hogan protected himself, that a title switch with Bruce Brody, the rematch would have done a zillion dollars. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Okay. Taking a quick break, we'll come back on the other side. I got a fun fact that everybody's going to want to hear. So listen to our sponsors and come back and you'll want to hear this. It ties together the first part of the show. Back with wrestling, so wrestling with history on the other side. VOC Nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain. Follow the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Bill After, The Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick, The Maestro, Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit VOCNation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation. Okay, back here on Wrestling With History, uh, the voice of choice, Bruce Ward. Killer Ken Resnick, wonderful Willie the Legend Maker, Bill Apter. Two things I want to wrap with. Bruiser Brody, again, passed away at age 42 uh, from Uniontown, Pennsylvania, died in Puerto Rico, but his alma mater was the world-famous West Texas State University. Yeah. That is the home outside of Minnesota. That is the, the next wrestling haven in the country. You got well, the they all went to school. Uh, Dick Murdoch. Uh, Dick, Dick. Manny Fernandez. Uh, Manny Fernandez. Uh, 
Gene Kaniski. No, Kaniski wasn't there. Um, yeah, Kaniski's son went to West Texas yeah, State, played yeah, football with Mary. Kelly. Yeah, but so Kelly. many wrestlers came out of there. Kelly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but here's a fun fact that I promise. But Brody spent his first two years at Iowa State in Ames, Iowa, and then transferred to West Texas. Correct. But nonetheless, he was there. And he studied journalism. No. <laughs> fun fact. We talked about in the very beginning whether or not there's a connection between Bruiser Brody and Dick the Bruiser. Here's the thing. You've also heard Bruiser Brody use the name King Kong Brody. That's because in the Midwest, he did not want to use that name, Bruiser Brody, out of respect for Dick the Bruiser. So Interesting. I did not know that. There you go. Fun fact on Bruiser Brody. Before we wrap it up, before we uh, head on out and Bill goes to his assignment, Ken's on his assignment, I just got to go upstairs and uh, get to bed so I get to work tomorrow. Ken, you got something coming up in three weeks. I just want you to remind us, and uh, it's, it's with a good friend of the show. Good friend, uh, Martin D'Amato's <laughs> The Gathering, uh, Thursday, July 22nd through Sunday, July 25th in Charlotte, North Carolina at uh, the Hilton University Place. And he's just got a, an incredible lineup that are going to be there through throughout uh, the weekend. I uh, mentioned earlier, Coco Beware is going to be there. Mick Foley is going to be there. Demolition is going to be there. The Fabulous Ones are going to be there. John Nord, Missy Hyatt, Baby Doll, uh, Molly Holly, um, you know, and I'm just forgetting a, a, a ton, but if you go to T-Mart, you can get all the information. There's a tremendous dinner uh, Friday night. We'll be honoring uh, a bunch of people. There's Q&A. Um, there's live wrestling right at the hotel on Saturday night. Uh, Nick Aldis will be defending the NWA championship against Trevor Murdoch. And uh, her name escapes me. I apologize. But the NWA women's champion will also be defending the title. It's just a, uh, I know you've eat, uh, Bill has been there. I, I mean, Martin D'Amato uh, calling in a convention is an understatement. And it really is like a three-day family reunion. Yeah. And you're talking about Mildred Burke? The NWA women's champion, Mildred. Uh, no, 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 no. Camille. Camille. You're talking about Camille. Camille. Uh, by the way, if you're if you happen to be at the gathering, and I hope that you will go. And Mike Johnson, PWI is going to be there. The great Mike Johnson. That's Pro Wrestling Insider, right? Yeah. Pro yeah. Wrestling yeah. Not Pro Wrestling Illustrated, different, but friends of the show at P at PW Insider. But we also like 411 Mania Wrestling Inc., uh, Lords of Pain. We like them all. Uh, but if you're there, I need you to do something. I need you to either go to the Coco Beware table or find Ken Resnick. Get your camera out, set it to video, make sure you have enough space. I want you to ask the two to duplicate this video that you see up in the Chiron here of Ken doing the bird with Coco Beware. And I need you to record it and send it to me. And I need to do a before and an after. I, need uh, I think what we need is Ken to go over to Coco and say, excuse me, may I have this dance? <laughs> All I have to say to you both is good luck with that one. <laughs> Indeed. Bill, we'll see you 
August 28th in Albany, New York will be the uh, first induction dinner for the International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. They will be inducting so many names, including Bruno San Martino. Um, and uh, Bruno's original belt was purchased by this group and that will be on display there. I'll be doing my um, one-man show the night before in the local hotel uh, there that where the dinner is taking place. And Scott Wilder Promotions will be running an entire huge wrestling show at an arena in Albany. I'll have more details next week on August 27th, but I will be there um, hosting, uh, doing book signings. And that's, uh, if you go to um, uh, prowrestlinghall.org, you can find out all the information. That's prowrestlinghall.org. Now, is this going to be your 17th? Are you going to be inducted? I No, I'm not being, I'm, I'm actually uh, emceeing along with J.J. Uh, uh, Dillon. He and I are emceeing the event. Well, the emceeing part is great. Not being inducted. A well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, oh, okay. I, I, could be a surprise, Ken. Could, you might have ruined it. Could be number 17. Well, thank you know, you. I said, I teed Bill up. I said, we'll see you. And I thought he was going to say at the matches, but he, he gave us that instead. So I'm going to try it again. Bill, we'll see you eventually at the matches. But August 28th, first. Absolutely. Yes. Have a good week, everybody. Bye-bye. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation.